College football to get the juices flowing. Cracked open my uh, bang energy drink as I'm ready to roll. Rush the field begins now. The earliest college football show in Kansas City getting you primed for this weekend. A lot of talk on Missouri, Kansas, and Kansas State. We'll have Gary Pinkle, who's my Missouri guy. We'll have uh, Josh Klingler, who's on his way to Boston. As KU plays Boston College tomorrow night and John Kurtz. Our guy from K-Man in Manhattan, also the True Colors podcast on the 435 Podcast Network, on his way to Starkville, Mississippi, to see Mississippi State and Kansas State before they get Big 12 play rolling. Julio Sanchez producing the operation. I'm Jay Binkley. What a night of football, football, football here. The Players Only Show with Dana Hughes and Joe Mays. They had J.C. Pearson in here. It's great stuff. I love these. And more and more of these networks are doing these things on TV. You see it with the players only. Yeah, you bring in just hear from the players. I think it's great. I think it's one of the best shows that we have on the radio, followed by the Chris Kleiman show. Everything is right in his world. But we will discuss KU Kansas State in Missouri in depth. The games they just played and the games moving forward. Kansas State picked ninth in the Big 12, 2-0 right now at Mississippi State. This weekend, 11 a.m. right here on 610 Sports Radio. Last year, Mississippi State goes in to Manhattan. Wins 31-10, to just physically dominated the Kansas State Wildcats in that game. Kylan Hill for Mississippi State ran for 197. Uh, or, uh, excuse me, had 197, 123 yards rushing so far this year in games. Against Kansas State last year, he ran for 211. You might remember that. Kylan Hill was all over the place. Two touchdowns rushing and a rushing score um, receiving touchdown, 16-yard receiving touchdown for him. So I'm really looking forward to this. This is one of the games this weekend. The college football slate this weekend, not great. Not great at all. So if you have those things and your significant others saying, can you take me to do this or that or whatever, go for it. Because Missouri against SEMO, 630 Saturday night, that's going to be a, an absolute waxing in that game. But 11 a.m. gets you started off right with Kansas State and Mississippi State. Mizzou football, nice rebound last weekend against West Virginia. Actually up 38 to nothing in a while for this time. And uh, and uh, Kelly Bryant was good and efficient for the Missouri Tigers. And the one thing, too, about Kelly Bryant, what we saw from Kansas State and Missouri was basically the same style of football, and that was good defense and running the football. Missouri racks up 300, or excuse me, 232 yards rushing against West Virginia. Kelly Bryant just a smooth 17-25, 150, and three touchdowns. West Virginia is not very good. West Virginia is not very good. As a matter of fact, this West Virginia team, and I like their head coach. I like Neil Brown. He came over from Detroit. I think they're in the right direction, which is really weird with Dana Holgerson leaving and going to Houston. Kansas plays West Virginia after BC, and they lose to Coastal Carolina at home 12-7. to Very disappointing game for Kansas. That's one that I thought they could win and should win. You got to win those games against Coastal Carolina coming into Kansas. Because then Boston College is going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them to win tomorrow night at Boston College. Boston College is off to a pretty nice start and is scoring a lot of points. Because then that would have put you at 2-1. and one. And I feel Kansas a great shot to beat West Virginia at home, which would have pushed them to 3-1. and one. I know that sounds crazy. But you got to beat Coastal Carolina. 
and they'll get there. Les Miles has the recipe for what he wants to do. Run the football and play good defense. Kansas defense last year was in the middle of the pack. It's not as bad when you think about Kansas as what they could be, but with Les Miles, it's going to be a different style. This is not Dave Beatty wide open football. This is play conservative and run the football for the Kansas Jayhawks. So, you know, I think Les Miles on the right path. This is how you build a program. You run the football, and you play defense. Puka comes back for Kansas. Goes for 99 yards rushing in that game. And then Herbert added in 82. But really, when you think of these games, Kansas State, Missouri's very impressive beating West Virginia because that's the best team that these three schools played as far as a power five. Bowling Green struggles with the quarterback play. That's who Kansas State had. But I'll say this about the Kansas State Wildcats. This but this team's been playing no joke. They went 49-14 to 14 over Nichols. And you might say, well, it's Nichols. It's an FCS team. But it's an FCS team that beat Kansas last year, went to the second round of the playoffs in FCS. But this 52 to nothing drubbing over Bowling Green for Kansas State was impressive. Remember, Chris Kleiman. Those four rings as a coach, three as an assistant at North Dakota State. You hear Joe Mays that comes in here and hosts with Dana Hughes. He played at North Dakota State. But you look at the, the transfers, Gilbert, Brown, Trotter for Kansas State. They're building this sort of with transfers that are coming in. Gilbert comes over from Ball State. Brown comes in from North Carolina. Harry Trotter comes over for Louisville. But probably the best part about this is they played 11 true freshmen. <clears throat> In this game, Joe Irvin is a true freshman for Kansas State in this game. He ended up getting some playing time. Eight carries, 28 yards. And one guy they got to be really impressed with is Jacardia Wright. That came in as a true freshman for Kansas State. As Kansas State racking up those 333 yards rushing, he goes 14 carries, 59 yards, long as 71. Gilbert put over 100 yards. If they can do this, play defense, and have Skylar Thompson, Skylar Thompson the former Simone Trophy winner for Kansas State, been fantastic this year. He's not looking over his shoulder. He's looking over his shoulder at Alex Delton last year. Alex Delton's at TCM. So that's where he ended up. Skyler Thompson, 10 of 13 for 151 and two touchdowns. Can't get much better with the efficiency of Skyler Thompson this year. Good quarterback play. They're running the football well and playing good defense. This serves Kansas State well. Kansas State, of course, plays Mississippi State this weekend. I think it's a real test for Kansas State before they start getting into the meat of Big 12 play. But Missouri, hands off to them. Rebounding, 38-7 win over West Virginia. They play Southeast Missouri State. Kind of a tune-up for Missouri before they get going in, in uh, SEC play against South Carolina. Then they back off and play Troy before they really get into the meat of the SEC schedule. As I mentioned, the top games this weekend... Not great. Usually, I have a slew of games to watch. Last Saturday, Julio, I found myself with five games on Saturday. You just can't, Saturday night is just the best for college football. It just is. I had one game on the phone, and I had four on my TV. One big one, then three side ones, and you switch over to which game you want to watch. I'm a junkie. I'm a college football junkie. I like Pac-12 after dark, right? I like watching the late games. The 9.30 slate after the 7.00. Finish up to 1, 1 o'clock in the morning, watching college football. But it only starts with game day in the morning, then that 11 o'clock game, then usually the 2.30 slate, which is good, where you need multiple TVs. College football, you need the multiple TVs. These things are everywhere. 
CBS Sports Network, ACC Network, which a lot of cable companies don't have. That's where you can find the Kansas game tomorrow night against Boston College. A lot of people don't have the ACC Network, which I'm surprised, to be honest with you, because companies like ATT Uvers that have this deal with ESPN that runs Longhorn Network, it's available. SEC Network's available. ACC Network's not available yet. It's part of that ESPN flag. I'm like, hey, where you at? Where's my ATT? Where's my ACC Network? I'm a junkie, man. Big Ten football during the week. SEC breakdowns. I watch this stuff, Julio. I like it. I like the NFL, and I like this. By the way, they have weather delay in this uh, NFL game tonight, which, by the way, I hate Thursday. It's NFL stuff, but I hate Thursday night. Looks like they're back to playing, but I hate Thursday night for fantasy purposes and everything else because crazy things happen on Thursday night. My top game zone, 11 o'clock, of course, Kansas State and uh, Mississippi State, which I think is going to be good. Another good one, Ohio State, number six in the country against Indiana. Indiana's actually off to a good start, 2-0. But here's the one thing. Ohio State has 21, 23, and 29-point victories over Indiana. Indiana will play them good for a while, and then Ohio State just pulls away. And Justin Fields is playing incredible. Which really, when you think about these, these transfers that we have in college football, this has made the game better. Like Jalen Hurts, that was 16-2 and two at Bama, playing at Oklahoma and stating in case they could have three straight Heisman winners. Kelly Bryant from Clemson playing in Missouri. I think this makes things fun. Jacob Easton, the former Georgia quarterback at Washington. Blake Barnett, he's not good. He's down in Florida. And Tommy Stevens, a transfer from Penn State to Mississippi State. 50-50 whether he'll play this weekend. But the Heisman list before we go to break. Number one, I still got Tua. Tua from Alabama. Because this guy didn't put up numbers in the fourth quarter because he's always out. Number two, Trevor Lawrence. Got to start stepping it up, though, because he's not putting up big numbers against the competition. Three, Jonathan Taylor, the uh, best running back in the country out of Wisconsin. Number four, I put Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has made his way up there, and he keeps climbing. Number five, I have Justin Fields, the quarterback at uh, Ohio State. Dude, this guy's got 224 and 234 passing, six touchdowns, no picks, 103 yards on the ground. Three touchdowns as well running the football, but he's putting up absolutely sick numbers. Uh, Jalen Hurts, by the way, 332 and 259 passing, six touchdowns, no picks, 223 yards rushing and three touchdowns. That'll do it. But as we go into in-depth with Kansas State, Missouri, and Kansas, Kansas State will check in with John Kurtz, came in in Manhattan. He's on his way to Starkville, Mississippi for the K-State-Mississippi State game. Talk to him next. Back to Rush to Field. Time to talk some Kansas State with John Kurtz from K-Man in Manhattan, who is on his way to Starkville, Mississippi. It is Kansas State and Mississippi State in this one. What's up, John? Hey, not too much, Jay. Just getting ready for what should be a really exciting game. Yeah, and you guys are uh, hitting the road already. little SEC experience down there at Mississippi State, so I'm sure you're looking forward to that. But Kansas State... Uh, you just have to be impressed with the way they've played the last two weeks. And uh, last week, no exception, that big 52 to nothing win. Matter of fact, just 14 points scored on Kansas State all year. But Kansas State, uh, once again, Skylar Thompson, brilliant in that game. And the ground game was just simply amazing. Yeah, they really just backed up what they did in week one. I think it was a different kind of a challenge in week two. You didn't have 
the buildup of a new season and a new era and a new coach and under the lights and all the things that would make you excited and focused and locked in. Instead, it was 11 a.m. against Bowling Green. Didn't have multiple weeks to prepare for this one. You wondered how motivated K-State would be, and they did basically the exact same thing, arguably more dominant, I think, against the worst team, uh, in particular because Bowling Green's quarterback situation is not good, certainly compared to Chase Forcade, who's a really good FCS quarterback K-State saw in Week 1. Uh, but the offense just controlled time of possession again. They were at almost 43 minutes of time of possession in the second game. So they've basically been 40-minute time of possession two-thirds of the game in each of the first two ball games of the year, which is what this offense wants to do. And uh, the running game is now leading the Big 12 and rushing. And Kate, they called off the dogs big time. I mean, it was 31 to nothing with about seven minutes to go in the second quarter. Kate, they had right around 250 yards rushing at that point in the game and then really pulled their foot off the gas in a lot of ways after that, or it could have been worse. But same kind of identity, Skylar Thompson making big-time throws down the field. This time Malik Knowles got rid of the drops and had some incredible catches, and the ground game just keeps on churning. doesn't matter who's carrying the ball, whether it's James Gilbert, Harry Trotter, Jordan Brown, or even we saw Jarkadia Wright and um, Joe Irvin, a couple of freshmen, get in the mix as well in that game on on Saturday, and that's one of the, the important things I think that happened is the fact that K-State was able to play 88 players and 11 true freshmen in that game, which means you're just getting reps for a lot of players that may be needed, and especially with the new redshirt rule this year where you can play four games, um, there are a lot of guys that can really get involved and improve that depth. So I think it's another A grade for K-State in week two. I was going to say they were talking to John Kurtz, K-Man, at JL Kurtz on Twitter, because Gilbert... Uh, Brown and Trotter, the three transfer running backs for Kansas State, uh, had good game. Gilbert the best. He went over 100 yards. But you're right, though. Joe Irvin, true freshman, got in. Eight for 28. Uh, Sarkadia uh, Wright got in there, or Jarkadia Wright got in there. 14 carries, 59 yards. And we're talking guys that normally didn't get much run, but to get those true freshmen, as you said, some playing time against Bowling Green, I mean, this is simply dominating. 42-minute time of possession for K-State, 17 minutes, Bowling Green, 140 total yards. This was complete domination, but it's rare this early in a season, and I know they're playing a team, but it was a team from the MAC that will step up and surprise some people. But to be able to get those true freshmen, like you said, very important. The, the ground game appears to be slated going the right direction for Kleiman. Yeah, I think the offensive line has done a really nice job. and Chris Kleiman's been quick to credit them because in post-game press conferences, the natural thing to do is look at the running backs and, and ask about how well they've played. But I think they've been really impressed with what the offensive line has done. And, and the offensive line is a veteran group. And they they really should be leading the charge. You have uh, a lot of seniors, five seniors, basically in the mix of six or seven offensive linemen that are playing regularly right now. So you would expect that group to lead, and, and they really have. And it's, it's interesting. They've changed up the way that they block. There's a lot more zone blocking in what they're doing right now as opposed to what it was uh, under Charlie Dickey, who was the previous offensive line coach under Bill Snyder. A uh, different sort of a, a scheme here with Connor Riley, but I, I think he's a fantastic coach. Uh, I think he's a guy that is, is kind of fast-tracked uh, to a big-time coaching career and is really sharp as K-State's old line coach, and I, I think you're seeing a lot of the results pay dividends early on with what he's been able to do. And this week you're heading down to Mississippi State for the game. I'm looking forward to this game, a game for Kansas State before the uh, Big 12 season gets rolling. But last year Mississippi State was able to come in here, and they came in here with Kylan Hill. They ran for 211 yards, a couple touchdowns, got a touchdown receiving as well. He's off to a tremendous start this year. 
at the running back position. Then they bring in a transfer, uh, Tommy Stevens, to be quarterback. He was backing up at Penn State. They bring him in because of familiarity with the head coach, obviously. But Stevens, a transfer quarterback, so somebody, that's somebody new K-State hadn't seen. You've seen Kylan Hill, so you know what he's capable of doing. Man, yeah, Kylan Hill is a really good running back. He went over 200 yards and averaged uh, just an obscene over 12 yards per carry last year in that game in Manhattan. Uh, he absolutely tore K-State up, and, and he looks like he's picked up right where he left off from last year. He, he did come off banged up at one point in their game last week, but returned and I think is fine, and that's going to be the focal point of their offense no matter who is playing quarterback. But one of the things that's throwing a wrench into um, this, this, this game and a storyline is the fact that Tommy Stevens is not healthy. Um, it sounds like right now it's 50-50 as to whether or not Stevens will be able to play. I believe it was a shoulder injury that he left the game with on Saturday. Depends on who you ask. Joe Moorhead has been pretty coy with everything. So is Stevens, if you just look at the quotes from their media session earlier this week. Either way, they have a redshirt freshman um, on deck who would come in to, to back him up that has also played very well. And uh, Talking to a couple people uh, connected with Mississippi State football earlier this week, I you can call it spin if you want, but they think that there wouldn't be a huge drop-off necessarily if, if Tommy Stevens isn't able to go at quarterback. And again, the basis of their offense is going to stay the same. But those in Starkville really think their offense actually has made big strides this year. And I think by the end of the year, they may be better, even without Nick Fitzgerald, because he just didn't seem to be a great fit with what Joe Moorhead wanted to do on offense. The thing that is different about Mississippi State this year is their defense. Last year, you had three first-round draft picks on that defense. Um, Jonathan Abram, safety, obviously, with the Oakland Raiders. A couple first-round picks on the defensive line. Uh, Simmons and Sweat, uh, who really tore K-State off last year. So that defense, I think, is behind the offense right now for Mississippi State, which has changed from what they have been in the past few years. That, I think, should give you a lot of hope as K-State fans that the Wildcats could go in there and enforce their will and control time of possession and help out a K-State defense that will be tested and that has played fewer snaps than any defense in the country this year just because of the way K-State's offense has dominated time of possession so far. So if it's not Stevens, you looking at Garrett Schrader, the uh, freshman quarterback, big quarterback, 6'4", 220. Um, would that be who you think they'd go with? He's a dual-threat type quarterback when he went to Mississippi State. He was the quarterback that came in last week uh, in relief of Stevens. Yeah, they feel good about Schrader. The wild card is Keaton Thompson is the quarterback who was actually in the battle with Tommy Stevens to win the starting job in fall camp. And Keaton Thompson is a guy who played last year when Nick Fitzgerald was suspended and had a seven-touchdown game against Stephen at Boston. But as often happens in 2019, when Thompson found out he didn't win the quarterback job, he entered the transfer portal. He was there for nine days, pulled back out, and is now back on the team. But Joe Moorhead seems to be unwilling to really let him get back into that discussion. So I suppose you could say Moorhead may just pull the wool over everyone's eyes Thompson all of a sudden comes in. He's much more of a threat on the ground. Uh, but, yeah, the expectation right now would be that Schrader is the guy who would step in. It's good stuff. Good stuff. I like these games. I mean, I'm glad it's on the schedule, obviously. I mean, it's a good, this is a good litmus test for Kansas State. Kansas State got no respect once again in the preseason media poll, which I'm used to that when it comes to Kansas State. But this team seems to be playing uh, better than what they appear to be. I know West Virginia slotted right ahead of them at 8th in the preseason poll. West Virginia does not look good at all. Kansas State, can they finish kind of in the middle to the, the front of the pack in the Big 12? And I know we haven't said we're early. It's early, small sample size. But could you see Kansas State doing what Kansas State normally did with Bill Snyder? 
I think that opportunity is certainly there. And you're right. Litmus test is a good way to describe what Saturday will be for this team. I, you know, I talked about this in the Staples to Our Colors podcast this week, but I, to me, I just view this situation as K-State really playing with house money. I think they've built up uh, some cash, so to speak, from the first two weeks and how they played and how much they've surpassed expectations of most in the first two weeks. Now can you take that and turn it into much more by winning this game against Mississippi State? Because nobody really, I think, expects K-State to win this game and certainly didn't going into the year. And they're a touchdown-plus underdog, depending on where you look right now. So there's, there's not a bunch of risk. I think K-State can go and play pretty free and loose, especially when you think back to last year. Anybody who watched that game last year, and it was worse of a blowout than 31-10 to 10 would indicate. K-State really didn't look like they belonged on the same field. Um, so I think that has created a lot of doubt about whether or not K-State can go win this game. But if they do... I think now you're starting to talk about, okay, maybe this can be a team that wins seven or eight games and has a chance to really finish in the middle of the pack of the Big 12. And I would say you start thinking then about, all right, maybe they're a step ahead in the rebuild of where we thought they were. I certainly thought they would be more like a five or a six-win team this year. Maybe next year if things go well, you can make that step to seven or eight and uh, get to the middle of the Big 12. We may find out on Saturday if they can win the game that, that they are further along because of, whatever combination of the roster being better than we thought it was, Chris Kleiman doing a great job bringing these guys along and some of the transfers like the running backs that they have infused into this roster. So I think it's it's very exciting from that standpoint, and I am I'm cautiously optimistic, certainly, about K-State's chances to win. That's John Kurtz, one of the best in the business when it comes to Kansas State, at JL Kurtz on Twitter. He mentioned his podcast. It's on the 435 Podcast Network. It's definitely must-check out. It's called Faithful to Our Colors with John Kurtz. We have the... Uh, Kansas, Kansas State, and Missouri covered on our podcast network. And, of course, John does the faithful to our colors that you can download, 435 Podcast Network at 610sports.com. John, always a pleasure. Have a uh, safe trip to Starkville and enjoy the game. Yeah, enjoy it. We'll talk to you soon, Jay. Take care. John Kurtz on the road, checking in, knowing his stuff as they travel to Starkville, Mississippi. Coming up next, Gary Pinkle. His thoughts, he's a quarterback guru. We'll talk some Kelly Bryant, what he thinks about that, what he thinks about Pat Mahomes, too. I I, I can't go without talking quarterbacks with Gary Pinkle. So, yes, there might be a Mahomes question or two. Gary Pinkle next. Welcome back to Rush the Field, talking as we do each and every week. Gary Pinkle, former uh, all-time winningest coach at the University of Missouri and Toledo, and of course a great book out as well right now. 100-Yard Journey is what they call it. Uh, you can buy it for Christmas. Uh, it's a great book that Dave Matter wrote uh, with Coach and uh, Nick Saban wrote the forward, and I got this for a lot of people last year for Christmas, and they absolutely enjoyed it. Just go to GaryPinkle.com. You can see his GP Made Foundation as well. Coach, uh, did you get down to Mizzou last week? I take it. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it was uh, we rebounded well. Uh, it was nice to see the team play so well. So Barry and staff did a good job, and leadership and team of, of you know learning from mistakes. That's what you do every every week. You learn from mistakes, and you keep uh, striving to get better. And uh, except for some penalties, uh, we dominated West Virginia, which which. Uh, we, we, we should have, and we did, which was great. It was awesome. Yeah, you did. You know, going through that coaching change as well. Former Big 12 team playing an SEC team. I like uh, to see that. Coach, uh, I guess 
with the facilities and everything. Are you able to sit back and just enjoy football now, the south end zone, you know, a big part of what you did, and we've talked about that, but are you, are you, are you far enough removed for it where you can actually just sit back and enjoy the game for what it is instead of, like, getting tense? Well, I always wake up Saturday morning with a little bit of an edge. You know, I've been on was four years ago. I mean, I was wired four years ago. I mean, you got to understand, I've been doing it this for, you know, I did 39 years as a full-time coach and assistant head coach. And uh, every Saturday, I mean, that's your, that was your life for a 12, 14-year period of time. And you had to, you know, it's it's an intense, intense profession. You know, the longevity of a Power Five a job is generally about a little under five years. Um, so, you know, it's not the best job security in the world. So, you know, there's reasons why, uh, you know, you, you get very anxious in that prior to games. But I think we always did a good job of, you know, being under control and, uh, and you know, actually passing on positive uh, uh, accountability uh, things that we want our players to do for one another and coaches to one for another. We just kind of ride off each other, and at the end of the day, you know, we had a pretty good run. Coach, yeah, I, I may be wrong about this, but I always look at it, and I look at some of the college coaches that make the jump to the NFL and, you know, find themselves back in college coaching uh, for a while. I mean, the job security in the NFL is just like it is college, maybe even less. But it just seems like you guys had a lot of stuff. You know, you have to deal with boosters and you have to do press conferences. It just and you have to worry about recruiting. You have to worry about that, that fax coming over on signing yeah. day, and yeah. you know that can make or break you. You know, you're getting this four star kid, or you're not, or this kid that you spent all this time on. It just seems like you guys in college football have more pressure on you as far as the coaches. But there's some reason that lures coaches back to the college game. Well, it's it's nonstop, and I do one of the things for me. When I backed away from it, I didn't realize the hours we put in throughout the entire year. And had, would have, you know, uh, you start August 1 and you will not have a day off until the middle of February. Uh, not one day off. And, and your shortest days probably would be five or six or seven hours. Most days are 16, 18 hours. And you do that, and then you got spring recruiting, and you got, you know, that spring ball. And before you know it, you got two weeks summer camp. And then before you know it, you're 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 right back at it again, and I love the idea, and I just love it. I'm so happy that I got to do what I want to do. But I didn't realize. <laughs> you back away and go, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Um, anyway, that's our job. That's the way it is. And the recruiting rules have changed. It got really worse for families, I think. Yeah. These kids are allowed to visit now in in the, in, in, the, in the spring and, and June, and at that at that time, June July, I think. And so the gap that we used to have there, a little bit of a gap. Um, they don't have it anymore, and uh, you know it's a great profession, but it's also remarkably uh, high packed and pressured and time consuming. Well, it's definitely changed too with social media and everything else. I, I I've uh, covered high school here a lot and bring in high school coaches from time to time, and you know they're always talking about what they tell their players as far as social media. You know, be careful what you put on there because it you know it could hurt you at the next level. I mean, it just I, yeah. I guess the world of social media has just changed, coach. Uh, I guess maybe from when you started coaching till the end, just how different it is when you know players have this access to the whole world and people are you know, people can criticize them. They may get, miss a couple kicks and they'll get you know fifty thousand messages telling them how bad they are. And you name it, it's just a yeah. world of social media. It can be really bad sometimes. I think for college football players. Well, as it developed, uh, you know, and the critiquing and the analysis from uh, people that generally don't really know really. You know, from a technical standpoint, and in some respects, what they're talking about, 
they're just angry and frustrated or what have you. Uh, you know, as this, as this in the last 10 years, it's just multiplied. And uh, it's, I don't think it's, I don't see anything good in it. I think your counseling, your kids are really important. Um, your players, and I'm talking kids, meaning players, but your family, kids probably the same thing. Um, that you, uh, you, you have to spend time with how to handle this and what you suggest they do, what they you suggest they don't do. So that they, 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 you know, there's occasionally some good things out of it, but the, at the end of the day, um, you know, you're up, you're up against a lot of adversities and, uh, it's very difficult. Um, we had a rule always with social networking. Our rule was anytime you post anything, it's like being at a press conference. And so we had rules at a press conference, things you things you, you had to stay positive and you weren't going to critique a coach or critique a player, a teammate. And we had some general rules, and we applied that same thing to social networking. So if a player is just frustrated after a, after a, uh, a tough game uh, and he starts pouring it on a teammate or he starts, you know, do something about a coach, you know, uh, those are those are just those are just uh, team killers. Yep. And um, that was our rule. At the end of the day, it worked out pretty good for us, for the most part. But it, it keeps getting, I think, more, more worse. It keeps, it keeps getting worse before it. Uh, I think it'll ever get better. And I know the Chiefs and the Patriots are really good about that as well. And coach, as far as the game was concerned, I thought Kelly Bryant really fish efficient game. Seventeen or twenty five, one fifty three touchdowns though. But he didn't. But it was the running game for Missouri. It was the running game and the defense. The two hundred thirty two yards on the game, playing good defense. I mean, that was that was almost a textbook win by Missouri over West Virginia. Just a dominant performance when they get up thirty eight points. Yeah, you know, and it's a team. You know, like I said before, it's a team that we should have beat them, and and we did. And that's what you do if you have a good football team. You play somebody, and and. Uh, you know, we, we did to them what we should have done. And I, I was very pleased with that. The big thing, they were coming to work on some penalties because they had 90 yards penalties. But, uh, you know, I, the other thing, too, is I think it's real important. Is, uh, my, I, you, during the best teams I've had, they were a lot better football team October 1 than they were September 1. And you're much better in November 1 than they were in October 1. The, the, the key is that you, you work hard and you practice, not just to practice to play the game, but you practice to become a better player and then an all-around player. And we've had teams that improved tremendously uh, during the season. And I'm sure Barry's doing the same thing, especially if they're younger, they can get tremendously better. So um, I think they're pushing those buttons a little bit, you know, with, uh, and we'll keep, just keep getting better and better. And, and, and I think, uh, you know, certainly could, could pay big dividends as, uh, as the season goes on. Southeast Missouri State uh, for the Missouri Tigers at 630 this weekend in South Carolina. Uh, before Troy kind of mixed in there before the rest of the SEC schedule. So Coach, speaking of that, and, you know, you go back to that Wyoming game and other games, and I always wondered, because in football, you know, even in the NFL, you know, some we cover a lot, you know, just kind of the sloppy play you see at times um, in, in the first game, even though there's a preseason, but, you know, a lot of the guys hardly play in the preseason anymore. You guys don't have preseason. Does the first game make you nervous more than any other game just because – you're not 100% sure when you see your guys playing another team? Well, first of all, you, you explain to the players that you know we're going to have to make any adjustments that we need to. They're, they're doing some different things. We try to read about it from read up with what their kids say to me and things like that. But at the end of the day, they come out and do things different, and we're going to have answers for it, and we're going to help you. I'm not one of those guys that get a team. My, anyone, my, I don't know about my teams. Any first-year free first game free, free um, pass. Uh, when you know this, this game is just as important as the 12th game where we have in a regular season, 
And we're, there's no excuses for not for making mental errors, for not being prepared, for not being – there's um, you know how I am. But just bottom line is we got to play better than the team in, in, that we're playing at. And we're not going to talk at all about, oh, gosh, the first-team jitters and all those things. Uh, we're going to talk about you know, how how well we got to play to, to win and compete in the game. So I'm, I'm kind of a no-excuse guy and kind of how we ran our program like that. Coach, uh, final thing for you. Were you able to uh, watch any of the Chiefs game last weekend? Yeah, yeah. It was really, really fun watching. But it's, it's, uh, it's got just a lot of talent. Just, uh, uh, you know, Mahomes hurts his, hurts his, you know, hurts his uh, tw- turns his ankle and, you know, adjusts so well. You know, doesn't miss. Dogs off the field at halftime. I mean, just a leader. Uh, you know, he had to play with some pain. He had to play at a very... You know, the situation that you know for him was probably very uncomfortable. That you would never have ever noticed. Yep. He would stand up, and I'm just real impressed. I'm real impressed. Obviously, not only him. There's a lot of you know, got a lot of great players in that team. It's a no, no. They they, they can continue to improve and get better too. You have to understand this is only second year he started. I mean, Wakefield gets good. <laughs> uh, it's pretty frightening. We just got to pray for good health because that's that's the only thing I think it's going to side sidetrack. Yeah, and that no look passing and everything else that he does. I mean, he was doing that all in training camp. That's not something he just did for one game. This guy, that's part of his game, man. But he tried in this game. And he missed uh, Kelsey. And he it happen, did. So. He did. <laughs> he you know what he felt? Same things, and he didn't. He didn't go where he wanted to go. But yeah, he felt yeah, bad. That guy's a great kid. He's a great team player. He's a great leader. I mean, I watch everything he says. Quarterbacks are a big deal with me, how they present themselves and what they do. And that guy's been trained well. And for probably he has to start with his parents and high school, college coaches, and now he and his staff will do a great job with him, and they have done. But this guy's uh, really special. You know what's funny about that no-look pass, and Andy Reid uh, was talking about it the other day, and you go back and watch that film, the, part of the reason that Kelsey was so wide open was because of uh, Mahomes' eyes. You know, he, he was not yeah, looking that right, and but, he just you know, didn't. He missed the throw. It was yeah. a touchdown. It could have been, you know. Yeah. It's, it's got to be calculated. I, I've never seen that before. I, I don't even know how to coach it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never I've never seen it before. And he missed a throw. I mean, he, he's so accurate. His normal throwing is remarkable, his accuracy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, they, they're going to have to, you know, wheel him in a little bit if he gets out there a little too much. And, and he'll work to that because, bottom line, he wants to win. But uh, special – special guy right there. Coach, uh, I wish you the best of luck. And again, uh, GaryPinkle.com is the website, GP Made Foundation. And of course, the book, 100-Yard Journey, still available. I know you can buy it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, just a few of the places you can buy it. Uh, good book. Dave Matter uh, writes it with Gary and also uh, Nick Saban with the forward. Coach, uh, thanks a lot for the visit this week. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, go Chiefs and go Mizzou. Okay, awesome. Thank you. There you go, Gary Pinkle right there as we have Gary Pinkle on each and every week to break down Missouri. Coming up next, though, we talk some Kansas football with Josh Klingler, you know very well here from Fesco in the morning. He's actually on his way to Boston, Boston, because they play tomorrow night. We'll talk to Kling next. Joining us now for his uh, weekly Kansas report, Kansas football insider and sideline reporter. You can hear him on the mornings, Fesco in the morning, 6 to 10 a.m. or 5.58 a.m. if you want to be exact, plus the Nutmeg podcast, which uh, covers Sporting KC on the 435 podcast, at Josh Klingler on Twitter. He is Please. Josh Klingler. That's his real name, too, Josh Klingler. What's up, Josh? It's a huge intro. My goodness. Yeah, it's a big intro. You deserve one, Kling. You deserve one, man. You deserve one. 
Uh, Kansas does not. Uh, last week, a tough one against Coastal Carolina, and we thought the season was going to be like this, Kling. It's about developing talent. I still don't feel like Les Miles has put a stamp on that quarterback position. I do think with the addition of Puka, they can run the football. Coastal Carolina pro- proved to be a little pesky to Kansas because I'm looking at the schedule, and I had marked this one down as a win. Yeah, and they did too. I mean, that was absolutely the case. Les Miles said that to me after the game too, that this was this was a game and they were supposed to win. They should have won. They could have easily won. Um, two bad interceptions, uh, missed field goal, uh, three straight uh, fourth down conversions in the second half that they didn't convert. So a lot of missed opportunities in this one in a game that, um, yeah, this was on a schedule where there's not too many um, – games that you're expected to win um this was one you, you probably should have had against a, a coastal carolina team that's just a few years into uh division one status and they were playing a lot of you know youngsters uh, as a super young team so um that that was one that got away that they were hugely disappointed about and uh i, I think they i think they flushed it hopefully they did because it was a quick turnaround now to play on, on a friday night game at boston college but for the ones for the players that return um, you know, I think you probably have to avoid having those feelings of, oh, no, here we go again. I think that was going through the crowd a little bit uh, last Saturday as well. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a bad loss. That's, uh, that's a growing pains loss and a, and a bunch of mistakes that are hopefully correctable that can, uh, you know, in, in a game like that, turn into a victory instead of one where you would have, could have, should have. Clint, can you name me the uh, famous Coastal Carolina quarterback, probably the greatest in the shit that clears history? Uh, Tyler Thigpen? Yes, you nailed it, man. Yeah. You nailed it right there. The uh, Tyler Thigpen effect in this one. Carter Stanley, the quarterback in that one, Kling. 13 of 19, 107 yards with the two interceptions. Uh, McVitie has not seen the field yet uh, for Kansas. Uh, is this Carter Stanley's job 100% or will Les Miles uh, maybe be quicker on the trigger at the quarterback position? No, I mean, he, he adamantly defended him this week and said, yeah, he made some mistakes and and playing maybe a little bit of the case of the try too hards and didn't waver at all from from going with Carter Stanley uh, this week and really um, shied away from making any major knee-jerk reaction changes after two games. I think that, that's a sign, too, of a veteran head coach that's kind of calm and has been there and done that, not to make any rash you know moves in the wake of a, of a bad performance. But they need to pick it up offensively because, as we know, the Big 12, you got to score points. And um, 24 in the opening game, but one of those touchdowns was a pick six and just seven last week. I mean, that's not even close to cutting it offensively. So they need to get some, uh, some points up on the board. I don't know that this is going to be the week to do it. Um, Boston College pretty solid and, and obviously they've scored a bunch of points too in their two games. So, um, this is, you, you'd love to have, a uh, kind of a cupcake name anyway for, for week number three as opposed to going on the road to a power five school. Um, because uh, they need something positive, momentum-wise, heading into the conference season. I'm not sure that a trip to BC is is necessarily going to get that done, but hopefully, we'll be surprised. One thing about one last question on uh, Coastal Carolina before we move on to this week: uh, the defense was there again for Kansas, and that's one way to turn around a program is to run the football and play good defense. And the addition of Puka getting almost 100 yards, one shy. One yard shy of 100, Herbert added in 82 in this game. But overall, 173 yards rushing for Kansas. 
if you're building your program, this is kind of the steps you want to do. Play some defense and run the football. Yeah, absolutely so. And then have enough semblance of a passing game so that people aren't sacking the box because we're seeing them. Uh, Coastal Carolina for sure did it uh, last week, and I'm sure that's going to be the blueprint until further notice. I mean, they just crammed the box. and So that makes it a little more difficult to, to run. Kansas still a little bit unsettled along the, uh, the right side of its offensive line. Um, so they're still trying to kind of figure out the exact rotation there or, or starters um, that can, can go the distance at that spot. Um, so, yeah, they can, they can run the football. I think it's obviously their strength is going to be running the football, but they also have to have enough of a passing game to keep things honest. Last week that was not the case. So need to get a uh, better balance in, in that regard. And, yeah, the defense for a couple weeks, I, I, I've, been, I've been impressed with the way they played. You can't argue with 12 points last week. And, um you know they they really did their part. This was uh, this was on the offense. Plus Miles obviously trying to time to preach team game and not getting any finger pointing going. Nor should uh, they be finger pointing at this point in time. But but you look at the defense through two games, not bad. Um, but the offense has left a, a lot to be desired thus far. Cling, you were out in Boston and uh, well, the home of the Patriots, the Chiefs' big nemesis at this point. Uh, Boston College off the 2-0 start. They beat Virginia Tech in Week 1, 35-28. A win over the Richmond Spiders, 45-13. But it's a Friday night game, and Friday night home games are always bizarre to me. First of all, I think it's a game, a day that should be reserved for high school football, Cling, but that's just me. But uh, playing on Friday night, a little bit unusual, but a lot of times, you know, the home fans get pretty jacked up and cranked up, you know, for home Friday night games. Tough one for Kansas. Yeah, yeah those are always those are always kind of goofy games, right? And I think Kansas needs it to be a goofy game, right? Yep. I think they need a lot of weird, weird stuff probably to happen to be on, on, on the right side of this one. Boston College has been impressed in their first two games. Um, obviously, the win over Virginia Tech on opening week uh, certainly stands out for them. And then the fact that they've averaged 40 points a game in their two wins. Uh, they're big, they're physical, uh, they can really run the football. We think Kansas has a, has a semblance of a run game well. Um, Austin College has got a couple of big backs, and they just they just try to pound you up front. So it's going to be a test for this uh, defense. Uh, it could be, could be a quick game, though, I guess, if both teams are rushing the football, uh, at least how they have through the, uh, through the first two games. But uh, BC's a Definitely a step up in competition, and um, you know I, I I think the best case scenario would have been for Kansas to be two and zero, and then finding out what they have at Boston College now, that'd um, be a little more amped up. They need to they need to play better. They need to show some signs of improvement that they didn't necessarily get in week two, even if they can't come away with a victory uh, because conference play obviously is just a couple weeks out. Yeah, you mentioned conference play, and they're home to play West Virginia. And West Virginia, you know, picked eighth. In the Big 12, not a lot of high expectations uh, coming up when Kansas gets back, but the, T- the uh, Big 12 schedule starts in earnest. So I guess one way to look at it is you get that extra off day by playing on Friday uh, for the Kansas Jayhawks, but definitely a good uh, kind of test for where this team stands defensively. I think Carter Stanley needs this game against good competition before rolling into the Big 12. Yeah, and it looks like that West Virginia game, right? On paper, yeah, that's your that's your best opportunity for a league win, and uh, you know you, you get a victory in that one, and then you know you're you're kind of house money at that point, and hopefully you can pick off somebody else. But uh, but certainly, yeah, um, you know they fully expect to be two zero. Can't do anything about it. Now go in and see if you can put together a nice performance against uh, a BC squad that's probably feeling pretty good about themselves, and then playing a Friday night home game. So an opportunity to pull the upset and then start week play on the right foot. So opportunity in front of the Jayhawks uh, Friday night. Good stuff. Josh Klingler covering the University of Kansas football team here in 
daily, 5.58, starting in the morning with Fesco in the morning, Bob Fesco and Ryan Wachowski. Thanks a lot, Kling. Thanks, Bob. There you go, Josh Klingler right there in Boston, getting ready for Boston College in Kansas. Julio, I'm not a fan of Friday night games, and I know a lot of coaches aren't a fan of these either. These conferences like to play them. We've got uh, 2-0 North Carolina going against 2-0 Wake Forest tomorrow night. We have Kansas against Boston College on the ACC Network, and we have Washington State with my guy Mike Leach versus Dana Holgerson. Little prodigy, little air raid matchup here. Washington State in Houston, 8-15 on ESPN. Looking forward to that one. But I've always, I'm, I'm, you know, call me traditionalist, whatever. It's high school football. And not only that, this keeps teams from having recruits or whatever, you know, watching their games or because they're playing high school football or they're visiting. And I get it, teams don't do it all the time, but never been a fan of these Friday night games. But anyway, Missouri versus the FCS Southeast Missouri State Saturday night. The best one, I, I feel, Kansas State at uh, at uh, Mississippi State, 11 o'clock. You can hear that game right here on 610 Sports Radio. And then, of course, the Jayhawks tomorrow night. ACC Network taking on Boston College. Not a lot of good matchups this weekend. This is one of those weekends, kind of dull, but we're getting ready to get into conference play. Huge thanks to Gary Pinkle. Huge thanks to John Kurtz. Huge thanks to Josh Klingler, but a huge thanks to one Julio Sanchez. I'll see you guys Sunday for Chiefs postgame.